So we're starting a new series entitled uh, Big Questions About God, the Bible, and Life. And these are big questions. And they could be answered easily. But it takes a while to teach. Because I want, would rather, instead of just giving you an answer, I think it's important that we have a revelation of what the Word of God teaches. In 1 Peter chapter 3.15, it says, But sanctify the Lord in your hearts and be ready always to give an answer to every man that asks you a reason of your hope that is in you in meekness and fear. The Passion Version translates it this way, But give reverent honor in your hearts to the anointed one, and treat him as a holy master of your lives. And if anyone asks you about the hope living within you, always be ready to explain your faith. Because people come with questions, right? And now what I find is many believers that have been going to church for years have questions about God, the Bible, and life that have been unanswered. Let's pray. Heavenly Father, we just thank you. We thank you that you're a God of answers. You're not a, you're not a God that's trying to, you're not a God that's trying to keep things from us. Even the mysteries that you have put before humanity have been revealed in Jesus Christ. Christ is the mystery of God. Hmm. So this morning, we just thank you that you give us revelation that you lead us and guide us into truth, that it would be liberating and that we would know what our part is to play in this earth. We love you, we celebrate you, and we worship you in the name of Jesus. Amen. So the first question we're going to tackle is, is God responsible for tragedies? Have you ever heard that question? Maybe not like that, you know, is God responsible for tragedies? But have you ever heard something like this? Why did God allow that to happen? I think I'm a little too loud still. Why did God allow that to happen? Why does God allow genocide? Why does God allow war? Why does God allow countries to do what they do? Why does God allow a marriage to be destroyed? Why did God allow this to happen to my kid? Is God responsible for tragedies? When any tragedy happens in our world, they ask this question, that, that if, if God is supposed to be good, if God is supposed to be loving, why did he let this happen? God gets the blame for hurricanes, tornadoes, tsunamis, earthquakes, Mass murders, terrorism, wars, famines, losing your job, and the list goes on and on all the way down to stubbing your toe. <laughs> so is God the one responsible for all these tragedies? Is God to blame? We hear the cliche answers, right? And after studying this out, I realized why they give the cliche answers. Answers like, you know, 
God's ways are higher than our ways. God moves in mysterious ways. There's a lot about God that we don't understand or we don't know, but we can be assured God is in control and God knows best. Sound familiar? Those are the answers that we usually get, and they're not really answers at all, and they don't satisfy at all, do they? They don't satisfy. So what answer would you give when people say, why did this happen? This is what I will be attempting to give you in this series. We're not going to get through this question today. <laughs> I'll tell you that right now. It's going to be a two-part. This one first question is going to be a two-part because there's a lot to unpack because we're starting right in Genesis and reading right through Revolution or the Revelation. <laughs> in Genesis chapter 1, verse 26, it says, Then God said, Let us make man in our image according to our likeness, and let them rule over the fish of the sea and over the birds of the sky and over the cattle and over all the earth and over every creeping thing that creeps upon the earth. We're supposed to be ruling over all the creeps, right? So when a creep comes up to you, say, I'm supposed to rule over you. No, I'm joking. I don't think they're talking about those creeps. But, but God, created, God created man in his own image. And in the image of God, he created him. Male and female, he created them. In verse 28, God blessed them, and God said to them, Be fruitful, multiply, and fill the earth, and subdue it, and rule over the fish of the sea, and over the birds of the sky, and over every living thing that moves on the earth. So what, in this very few Passage of Scripture, these few verses here, what can we glean from these about what God has given mankind? We can see that God in these, in these Scriptures have given humanity their identity. They were created in the image of God. Humanity has an identity. Then God gave him authority as under-ruler to take dominion, and that authority was based off God. God gave man his authority. And then we've seen that God gave man his blessing. In relationship with God, man had the blessing of God to be fruitful and multiply, replenish the earth, and subdue it. So he, he gave him the ability to get it done. And then we also see that God gave man a purpose to steward, to take care of, to guard to protect, to be fruitful, to multiply, to build a family. So in these passages of Scripture, we see that man has an identity. Man has authority. Man has been blessed, and man has a purpose. Let's look at verse 31. In Genesis 1, 31, it says, And God saw all that he had made, and behold, it was a wreck. No. It was good. No, it wasn't even good. It was very good. It was very good. So everything that God made was established, and it was good. It wasn't just good. It was stinking good. It was very, very good. Right? Have you ever uh, witnessed something that was st stinking good? This ain't good. This is stinking good. This, 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 
This lasagna is stinking good, right? It's good stuff. And he gave it to man. He gave this very good creation. He gave it to man to steward as an underruler. Look what Psalm says. In Psalms chapter 115, verse 16, it says, The heavens are the heavens of the Lord, but the earth he has given to the sons of men. So many people are asking why God is, is doing this or why doesn't God do something about this. And the first thing we need to understand is that God created the earth and gave dominion over the earth. He gave the earth to man. When God declares something, when God declares something, he cannot go back on his word. He's not an Indian giver. He's not like us. He had a plan. He had a purpose, and he gave it to man. Thank God he had a plan how to get us out of this mess, too. <laughs> but I'm getting ahead of myself. When God declares something, he can't go back on it. So question number one that we have to understand, if we're going to understand where tragedies come from, is who is in control? Who is in charge of the earth? You can answer. Man. Man is in charge of the earth. Does that mean that man is more powerful than God? No, God is sovereign. And what I mean by sovereign is not the religious idea of sovereignty, which is not a dictionary definition of sovereignty whatsoever. Religious definition of sovereignty, maybe this will be one of the questions we tackle. Maybe we should. Religious idea of sovereignty is that God is in control of everything. That I have these crazy-looking fluorescent orange shoelaces because God predestined me to string these up with his color shoelaces. I didn't choose these shoelaces. God chose these shoelaces for me. If you don't like my outfit today, guess what? Blame God, right? That's the religious idea of sovereignty. The, the biblical, or the definition, the, the uh, dictionary definition means ultimate authority, all-powerful. Like a king. A king is sovereign over his lands, right? But do you think there's things happening in his lands that he doesn't want, that's not his will, that he doesn't want to happen? Yeah. A king is sovereign. He's ultimate power. He's the head of everything. But there's still things happening in his kingdom that he does not want happening, right? Let's look at Psalms 8. Psalms 8, verse 3, it says, When I consider your heavens... The work of your fingers, the moon, the stars, which you have ordained. What is man that you take thought of him, and the son of man that you care for him? Yet you have made him a lo little lower than God. We're not going to tackle that right now, today. That's a different story. Yet you have made him a little lower than God, and you crown him with glory and majesty. You make him to rule over the works of your hands. You have put all things under his feet. 
Why do tragedies happen? The first thing we need to understand in answering this question of why tragedies happen is who is responsible. Who is responsible for these tragedies? Man is responsible for the earth. God made earth, and it was, a, it was good, and in this good creation was man, who in context of this very good creation had God's identity, it had God's authority, he had God's blessing, and he had God's pur- purpose. And he was crowned, as we just read, with glory and honor, and had all things put under his feet. He had all things put under his feet. And this is the first thing that needs to be established and understood when, under, when asking the question, why do tragedies happen? In Genesis chapter 3, verse 6, it says, And when woman saw that the tree was good for food, and that it was a delight to the eyes, and that it was a tree desirable to make one wise, she took from its fruit and ate, and she gave also to her husband with her, and he ate. Then the eyes of both of them were open, and they knew that they were naked, and they sewed, sewed fig leaves together and made themselves loin coverings. It said in Psalms, we were clothed with glory and majesty. Do you remember, do you remember the Mount of Transfiguration where Jesus was up praying and he had Peter, James, and John with him and they fell asleep? Sounds familiar. Seems like it was an ongoing thing with those guys. It's an ongoing thing with us too, right? I'm going to pray before I go to sleep. But they, they, were, they were up on the mount. Jesus was praying. The three amigos were sleeping. And all of a sudden they get woke up. And they see Jesus radiating white. The glory of God was radiating from Jesus. And there was three figures there. Moses and Elijah representing the law and the prophets, right? And Peter gets excited and says, it is so good for us to be here. We'll build three tabernacles, one for Moses, one for Elijah, and one for Jesus. And all of a sudden, Elijah and, G- uh, and, and Moses are taken away, and the lights go out, and there's a voice from heaven that says, this is my beloved son, hear ye him. In other words, we don't get our knowledge about God separate from Jesus Christ. The law and the prophets are not elevated to the place of Jesus. If you're, this is a whole other thing, but if you're getting your procession of who God is through the law and the prophets separate from Jesus Christ, you are worshiping a false god. But Jesus was radiating the glory of God. And And I really think that that's what we were created to be like. I, I think that we, when we had the glory and majesty of God before the fall, I think that's why we were naked and unashamed. Because we were radiating with God's glory. Right? In John chapter 1 verse 14 it says, and we saw his glory. Glory as the only begotten, fa- um, begotten from the Father, full of grace and truth. They seen the glory of God radiating through Jesus. 
John's seen it with his own eyes. See, what happened is that they knew, all of a sudden they knew they were naked. In the fall of man, all of a sudden they knew that they were naked. And what I believe is that the light went out. The light went out. You don't have to agree with me on all this stuff. But something happened, right? Something happened where all of a sudden they knew that they were naked. Spiritual sight became natural sight, and they seen that they were naked, and they felt shame all of a sudden. In Romans chapter 3, verse 23, it says, For all have sinned and fallen short of the glory of God. So they made for themselves salad dressing, right? They made themselves salad dressing, dressed themselves up in some lettuce or some fig leaves. Do you realize that this was the very first religion? This was the very first religious act. Should we call it, we, there should be churches. Church of the fig leaf. This was the very first religious act of man. They tried to cover up their shame and nakedness. They tried to replace the glory of God. And man has been attempting to do it with man-made religion ever since. Question. We got a TV up here, right? You have a TV in your home. What would happen if you disconnected your TV from the cable, from the source of the input? What would happen? Would it still be a TV? Well, it would look like a TV, wouldn't it? It would have all the attributes of a TV, but it's disconnected from the, the source that makes it operate the way it was tended to operate. What would it be good for? What, what is a TV good for if you, ha- if, all, all, if you turn it on and your static comes up? I don't think TVs have static anymore. The blue screen. All you got is the blue screen on. How many of you would want a TV hanging in the middle of, you know, the number one spot, the best spot in the house? There's the TV. And all it is is a blue screen. We wouldn't want that, would we? See, Adam was created in the image of God, and sin unplugged him from God. He still looks like Adam. All of his features are there. But he is no longer what he was created to be. So now man is without identity because his identity came from the Father. It came from relationship. It came from communion. And that was destroyed. And we have people all over this earth right now searching for identity, confused in their identity. He no longer has God's authority because that came from God and it came through communion and it came through relationship. He is no longer blessed because it came from God and he is in no longer relationship and fellowship with God. Remember, now he was going to have to work by the sweat of his brow, thorns and thistles. Man's purpose, man's purpose is now dictated by man's will. And his understanding and the flesh and man's purpose has been perverted from the purpose of God.
So Adam loses the image of God. And he has no power to live like God because he has disconnected himself like that TV from the, from the source. And then Adam starts having other little televisions, right? You have the 70-inch television, the 32-inch, 24-inch, 40-inch. All these little TVs start popping into the world. But they're all disconnected. They're all disconnected from the source that gives them purpose, that gives them identity, that gives them the authority and the blessing in the earth. And despite being in a fallen state, what does man still possess? Man still possesses the ability to choose. How's this going to go? God created humanity to choose according to God's will. How were they supposed to choose according to God's will? By relationship. God was going to teach them. He shows up in the cool of the day. He walks with them. He talks with them. Man, it was a family. He was, it was just like a father teaching his son. Just like a mother teaching her daughter. Or vice versa. Man was created to walk with God, and God was going to teach them how to have dominion. He was going to teach them how to declare and use his, their words. How many parents say that to their kids? Use your words. My wife still says it to me. It takes me makes me mad. We need to use our words like our Heavenly Father does. How to rule, how to reign, which could, would, would have came out of the fruit of relationship. But humanity has been unplugged. The glory is gone. The purpose is gone. Man has lost their identity, but he can still choose. So we have Adam in a position of free will, but disconnected from God. How can, how can this possibly end well? How can this possibly end well? How, this isn't going to go well, and as we know, it hasn't. So the first thing they do is they cover themselves with works, with man-made religion, with religion. Let's continue in verse 8. And in verse 8 it says, Then they heard the sound of God walking in the garden in the cool of the day, and the man and his wife hid themselves from the presence of the Lord among the trees of the garden. Isn't that sad? That has got to be one of the saddest verses in the entire Bible. And what's sad about it is people are still doing that exact thing, same thing today. They run from God, they hide from God because they feel shame, they feel fear. Verse 9, it says, Then the Lord God called to man and said to him, Where are you? It's interesting that man ran from God, but God came looking for man. 
There's answers a lot of questions right there. He said, I heard the sound of you in the garden, and I was afraid because I was naked. So I hid myself. And he said, who told you you were naked? Have you eaten from the tree which I commanded you not to eat? So what should have produced love? What should have produced excitement? What should have produced joy has now became panic, dread, and fear. There's a lot of us, even believers, that are still afraid of God. You're afraid of intimacy. You're afraid of spending time with God. Most people don't have a prayer life is because they're afraid to get along with God. So we listen to the radio. TV's always on. We're always on social media. We just block out the voice of God in our life. We're not much different, are we? Why did this happen? It's because, because they were disconnected and they didn't have a relationship with God. And, and that relationship that they now had with God was perverted and it was nothing like God ever intended it to be. So after trying works, right, they tried religion. In fear, they ran and hid themselves from the presence of God. A lot of people in religion still hide from God because they're afraid of God because deep down in their heart, they know that all their righteousness is but filthy rags. And they know who they are. Well, I got good news for you. God knows who you are too. And his grace is sufficient. And he loves you more than you could ever know. And he's waiting for you to run towards him. Because he's waiting for you. He's looking for you. He ain't going to drag you out from underneath the bushes. But he's going to keep wooing you. Has God changed? Has God changed? No, he came looking for Adam. The, the, The fall of man did not change God. It didn't change God's heart towards man. It didn't change God's uh, um, um, willingness towards man. Who changed? Yes, man has changed. But who does the earth belong to? Man. Man still has dominion over the earth. God declared it. He gave the earth to the sons of men. I wonder why God had to become a man. So what happens now? When you have people disconnected from God, Bearing their own image now, no longer the God, God's kind, but the fallen Adam kind. Right? That's what 1 Corinthians tells us. Who can still talk to God and respond to God by faith. Because we see that throughout Scripture, right? They still have the ability to choose. They still have the ability to, by faith, enter into covenant with God. But communion has totally been destroyed. Because at one time, they were totally connected. They had the same spirit within them. Communion with the Father, the way that he intended it now, was, has become impossible because they are no longer connected in the same way. They are now in darkness, and God is light. They have lost the glory 
of God. When you think about this and you start reading the New Testament and how what it says about believers, man, we've got we got a lot to unpack still, don't we? In 2 Timothy 1.7, it says, For God has not given us a spirit of fear, but of power and of love and a sound mind. Adam and Eve hid in fear. The spirit of fear is the, natu- the nature of fallen man. And when you are born again, God, here in Timothy, it says, God does not give you that same spirit. But he gives you a spirit of power, of love, and of a sound mind. In the fall, love was replaced by fear. And faith was faith and trust in your fa- heavenly father was replaced by law. And this is expressed only in two ways. Men are either going to go towards religious works or they're going to go towards the flesh. This is what has been happening on the earth. And the earth belongs to who? Men. In Romans chapter 8, verse 15, it says, For you did not receive the spirit of bondage again to fear, but you have received the spirit of adoption by whom we cry out, Abba, Father. Isn't the gospel good news? I mean... So the nature of fallen man is fear and bondage. But through the new birth, relationship is now restored. The new birth is about being plugged back into the cable so we can broadcast God TV. The glory of God is revealed. In Romans chapter 8, verse 19, some more sad scriptures. For the earnest expectation of all creation eagerly waits for the revealing of the sons of God. For the creation was subject to futility, not willingly, but because of him who subjected it in hope. Because the creation itself also will be delivered from the bondage of corruption into the glorious liberty of the children of God. So not not only did the fall of man change man's relationship with God, but it has changed the earth. The earth is waiting to be delivered from the weight of sin. Verse 22, For we know that the whole creation groans and labors with birth pains together until now. Not only that, but we also who have the first fruits of the Spirit... Even we ourselves, grown within ourselves, eagerly waiting for the adoption of the redemption of our body. We are waiting for it to get out of this, 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 this corruptible, corrupted suit and enter into un- uncorruptible. That glorified, resurrected body, just like Jesus has. These consequences are the reasons why things have happened on the earth. And that God and are not God's will, nor do they reflect God's will. Let's look at these consequences. Humanity was spiritually separated from God. 
In Isaiah 59, verse 2, it says, But your iniquities have separated you from your God, and your sins have hidden his face from you, so that he will not hear you. Here. Sin separated us from God. Remember, though, man changed. God did not change. We separated ourselves from God. God did not separate himself from us. You understand that? That's important to know because a lot of people think that God is the one that doesn't want nothing to do with them. God did not change. God never changed his heart for humanity, but humanity's heart has changed for God. God's creation that he loves is now being ruled by men that are separate from God, his identity, and his purpose. When we get a true understanding of what sin has done to humanity and to this world, sin's going to lose all its luster. Sin's not going to be any fun. When you realize how destructive sin is, sin is destructive. It will always be destructive. It always leads to death. In Romans chapter 1, verse 28, shows you the destructive nature of man being unplugged from God, living in the flesh. And it says, even as they did not like to retain God in, the, in their knowledge, free choice, they chose not to retain God in their knowledge. God gave them over to a debased mind to do things that are not fitting which are not fitting. And what that means is they're not good for humanity. They're not good for you. It's going to bring chaos. It's going to be destruction. It's going to bring death. It's, gonna not, it's gonna not going to bring the purposes and the will of God in the earth. Being filled with all unrighteousness, sexual immorality, Wickedness, covetousness, maliciousness, full of envy, murder, strife, deceit, evil-mindedness. They are whisperers, backbiters, haters of God. Violent, proud, boasters, inventors of evil things. And in the midst of all this, disobedient to parents. <laughs> Verse 31. Undiscerning. They, don't, they, they, they can't discern. They can't even discern these things that they're doing is what's bringing destruction, bringing chaos, bringing brokenness. Untrustworthy. I think the King James says covenant breakers. Unloving. Unforgiving unmerciful, who knowing the righteous judgment of God, that those who practice such things are also deserving of death, not only do the same, but also approve of those who practice them. Is that God responsible for these acts in the world? This is what humanity looks like when men are not connected to God. 
And just being religious doesn't mean you're connected with God. You need to be born again. You need to be filled with his Holy Spirit. You need the fruit of the Spirit. You need to be a new creation in Christ Jesus. Being a Lutheran, being a Catholic, being a Baptist, being a Karis New Testament church, whatever we are, non-denominational, free church, whatever, does not save you. Only faith in Jesus Christ and receiving the very spirit and nature of God is what can deliver us from this mess. Man, uh, separated from God, moves towards the flesh, and as, room, as in Romans 1 we just read, and it, or it moves to religion. As Jesus said in Matthew 15, 9, it says, In vain they worship me, teaching as doctrines the commandments of men. They move towards self-righteousness through man-made religion. And I think we could argue that man-made religion and man living in the flesh have been equally destructive on the face of the earth. Man's free will in a fallen state has been devastating. It has been devastating. So why does God let Genesis, genocide, Genesis, why does God let genocide happen? Why doesn't God stop 9-11? Why doesn't God stop school shootings? You have to think about what you're asking. You're asking God to take away somebody's free will. God, please stop the free will of these crazy people we're saying. But would you want God to take your free will away? We're against mass murder, right? School shootings, all of that. And we should be. But you want to go 60 and a 55. I'm about to make everybody mad. You want to be able to roll through the stop sign? You want to be stingy and not be generous? You want the right to fight with your spouse? You want women to do whatever they want with their bodies to their unborn children? You want to be able to choose your kids to choose if they're a boy or a girl? Right? We want all this stuff. We want to be able to choose who we sleep with or who we don't. Our sexual preference is up to us. But we want them to take, take the free will away from the crazy people. You want to look at whatever you want on the internet? You want to, the right to be offended, to hold a grudge, to not forgive? But take their free will away, God. I told you guys you weren't going to like the answer to these questions. This is a humanity issue. This is a humanity issue. If God was to take the free will away from one, he has to take the free will away from all. We are so quick to blame God 
for not stopping these tragedies? Why did God not stop that? Why didn't he stop you? You want the right to sin? Has your sin ever affected someone else's life? But there's something else, too. What would, if God took away our free will, what would, what would humanity lose? Humanity would lose the glorious opportunity to choose Jesus. To be born again. To be delivered from the kingdom of darkness and translated into the kingdom of light. To, to be delivered from the fallen nature of Adam and receive the nature of Jesus Christ. That's why God has given us free will. God has given us free will because God desires humanity to choose, to choose to have communion with God, choose to have a relationship with God, choose to want to be in fellowship with a loving Heavenly Father, to live the life that he created for them. God wants a family. God wants relationship with people that choose to have relationship with him. In Galatians chapter 5, verse 19, it says, Now the works of the flesh are evident, which are adultery, fornication, uncleanness, lewdness, idolatry, sorcery, hatred, contentions, jealousy, outbursts of wrath, selfish ambitions, dissensions, heresies, envy, murders, drunkenness, rivalries, and the like, of which I tell you beforehand, just as I also told you in time past, that those who practice such things will not inherit the kingdom of God. And you might be looking out there and saying, well, I did some of that. I've been envious. I've had selfish ambitions. Am I not going to inherit the kingdom of God? No, but you don't make a practice of it. You've been born again. You might be still walking in that garbage through your unrenewed mind, but that's not who you are. Thank God God sees you in your born-again spirit, even if you don't see yourself in your born-again spirit. Right? That's That's the worst part, is when born again people are living like unborn again people. So the first consequence of sin is man became spiritually separated from God and has a free will in a fallen nature that is also in a fallen world. A man leaves his wife. He leaves his wife with their son. And the the wife is heartbroken. She has resentment and anger towards the husband that left her. So she takes it out on her son. And the son grows up to have resentment and hatred towards women and becomes a serial killer. I mean, this is a big, this is a dramatic scenario here. Is that God's fault? Or is it choices from unborn again believers? 
is it choices from men making choices that have consequences on humanity? And I want you to know that God loves murderers as much as he loves nuns. God is calling criminals, reprobates, as much as he's calling you and I. He, de- they, he desires them to have the choice to repent, change their mind about God, to choose to have a relationship and fellowship with God, to choose to find what their purpose and destiny and blessing is in the kingdom of God. Free will in a fallen nature, always creates destruction, chaos, calamity. Then there's the second consequences of this fallen state that we are in. And that is dominion was lost. And we have a new God of this world. And that's where we're going to pick up next week. Told you when we get through it all. This isn't an e- easy question to answer. I mean, I, it's, e- it's now you know why people say, well, you just don't know. You never know what God's going to do. It's mysterious. His ways are higher than our ways. Man, that's a lot easier. But it's not right. And it doesn't change anything. But really, when we're done with this, I'm teaching you through it all, but then we can break it down to some bullet points. Right? So we we will have an answer when people ask, right? Let's pray. Heavenly Father, we thank you. We thank you that in all this mess that we just read, in all this chaos and all of this destruction and all this heartache, (laughs) that you have a plan. That you have a plan and you have not left us in this mess. You have not left us in that miry clay. And you have given us the ability to choose you. So, Heavenly Father, we just ask that we would continue being a church body that walks in the goodness of God, that radiates the kingdom of God, that has purpose, has authority, is blessed, so that we are a testimony, that we are testifying of God's kingdom in the midst of two kingdoms in this earth. Heavenly Father, we thank you that you have given us answers to the questions of men's hearts. And we thank you that you have called us to be ambassadors and representatives of your kingdom to answer such questions. We just love you, Lord. We thank you and we praise you. In Jesus' name, amen. Amen, church. Have an awesome week. Uh... You've been listening to a message from Karis New Testament Church. For more information or to contact us, go to www.karisntc.org. And remember, you are deeply loved, highly favored, and destined to reign in Christ Jesus.